Life Audio. Today we are looking at a powerful example from Psalm 86 where the psalmist is in the middle of some trouble. And the way that he handles that is to ask God to show him and give him wisdom on how to handle it. And it's such a great example because I think sometimes when we get caught up in trouble, we tend to go on instinct. We tend to get advice from other people. And this example here is just to stop what we're doing and to go to God and ask him for his wisdom and strength and perseverance to get through those experiences. And that creates this unique opportunity for us to know God in a way that we can't when we're not in those situations. So we're going to talk about this today, and I pray that it's a blessing to you. We're going to start right after we hear a word from our sponsor. Stay tuned. Hey friends, welcome to the Hearing Jesus podcast. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? And how do you know the difference? Do you ever struggle to feel confident in your relationship with God and what he says in his word? Do you sometimes feel stagnant or like maybe you hit a wall in your spiritual life? Hey, I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, missionary, author, pastor, and life coach, and I have been there. I too was doubting God's voice in my own life. I felt insecure about my relationship with Him, and I wanted to be obedient to what God was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure how to figure out what that was. I felt like I was wasting time trying to figure it out, and I just wanted a way to understand His will for my life. The answer for me was found in the pages of the scriptures, as I learned how to understand what they were actually saying. If you're ready to grow in your faith and to step confidently into the calling God has for you, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so that you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today we're diving into Psalm 86, and I I think it's going to be a blessing for you. I want to remind you, if you are just joining us, we are going through the Psalms day by day, one Psalm a day, where we're looking at some of the history and the culture and the background information of what was going on, because sometimes I think we just get lost because we don't necessarily understand the world that this was in the time frame that this was written in, because while scripture was written for us, it was not originally written to us. It was written to this original audience that existed way, way, way far away from where we're at in time and history. And so even things like them being an agrarian culture, meaning they farm for a lot of their food, that is sometimes lost on us. So we kind of dive into the background to help us just understand this a little bit better. And again, this is not to replace your Bible reading. It's to really give you a, an additional supplement almost to, to help you understand a little bit better what you're reading. And I want to remind you too, if you are wanting to dive a little bit deeper, every Monday we send out a newsletter that has journaling prompts and key verses to help you process this information and get it from your head and to your heart. Those are completely free. You can get that at shehears.org. And then if you want the back email prompts from the journaling prompts that, you know, say you just started in, maybe you're starting with us at Psalm 86 and you want the first 50, those are available for you. It's $5. And we, on our website, we have those. It's a guided journal that has the audio devotionals included and there's space for you to write. There's the key verse. There is the journaling prompts. And really it's just an opportunity for you to process this information a little bit better. So you can use that digitally. You can print it out however you want to use that. Um, like I said, it's only $5 and it's proving to be a really great resource for a lot of people. So I'm reading from the NIV. I'll always read from the NIV unless I tell you otherwise. 
starting at verse 1, and this is a prayer of David, of King David. Hear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am devoted to you. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. In the day of my trouble, I will call to you, for you will answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, O Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. The arrogant are attacking me, O God. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, men without regard for you. But you, O Lord, are compassionate and a gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Give me a sign of your goodness that enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. So Psalm 86 is an individual lament, and it's essentially this prayer to God on behalf of the psalmist, David, for asking for help against those who oppress him. And while David is in need and asking God for help and praying for aid, he still has a faith in God's compassion, his strength, and the willingness on God's part to help. And so we see such an example in David where he's holding two things at once. He's holding this need for direction and help, but also having complete faith that God God is able to do that and he's a God of compassion and strength. And at the end, he is waiting for a sign that God will answer the prayer. And I love that example because how many times do we pray without expectation? We pray as a last resort. We pray just because we're in a, in a desperate situation. But yet the example that we see, see from David is he's not just praying, but he's waiting expectantly for God to help. Now, I don't know if you remember this or not, but at the end of the... Um, book two, which remember the Psalms are broken up into five books. We're in book three now. At the end of book two, it said the prayers of David, the son of Jesse are completed. And so it's kind of surprising to even hear or see that David is writing this Psalm because we thought that he was done writing the Psalm and actually the Psalms. And actually this is the only Psalm in book three that was written by David. And there's a couple reasons for that. The perspective on prayer in book three in general is a little bit different than what we've seen in the last two books of the Psalms. And what Psalm 86 does is it uses older materials and it's creating this new theology for Israel, which is after David's reign. So while the prayers of David may have ended, 
um, the dynasty of the kings and the nation itself continues. And so there's this element of prayer and it's the prayers of this individual that, that pulls this book together. And it reminds us that the individual and the community concerns are really bound together that you really can't separate them. So while this is a prayer of David, some scholars think that this is a prayer of David that was written earlier. And then that is now inserted into this book to kind of help these, this understanding of how, um, not just, not just how David prays, but this example of his faith in God. We see that he begins with saying that he is poor and needy, and it's really an appeal for God to hear him and to hear his prayer and then to respond with his help. Um, that is a condition, the way that he describes being poor and needy. It's a common description that we see all throughout the Psalms. And it really is appealing to this individual or this group of people that require God's help. We see that all throughout the, the Psalms that David writes. And we recognize what, what he says about God is that he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. We see that later in Psalm 113. And so the psalmist is not only poor and needy, but he, like we said, he has this, this um, perspective or this lens of faithfulness. And so the undercurrent, even in his prayer, is he knows that God's love is unfailing and he's loyal to God. And he's not only loyal to God, but he's loyal to the covenant. And so that's a reminder he, what he's doing as a prayer, it's a reminder to God that God is God and he's reminding him on the basis of the covenant to guard him and to help him and to, you know, be the center of his peace. And David knows that that's God's nature. So he's praying in line with God's character. And I think sometimes that's hard for us to do or hard for us to wrap our minds around when we're experiencing something that's difficult. The tendency for a lot of people believers included is to blame God when things go wrong. It's to blame God when there's trouble. And the reality is that sometimes it's a result of our own sin or our own, the consequences of our own choices. Sometimes it's just because we live in a fallen world and we were not made for this broken fallen world. And so things like disease and sickness, those come into play because of this fallen world that we live in. And so what we see with David is instead of blaming God when those things happen, he's going to God with faith that God can do something and reminding him of this covenant promise that they have. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue discussing the rest of this episode together. Stay tuned. We know that it's a serious situation because in verses one through seven, we see a couple different times this desire for God to listen and answer this prayer. And there's various reasons given that, and for the reason why David needs God's attention. And we see a pattern go back and forth between the petitions and the reasons for those peti petitions. So while we don't know the exact problem, it's not it doesn't say exactly what the problem is. We just know that he's praying because he's poor and needy. We know that he's crying out. We know that he's he has a sense of urgency. He's asking God to guard his life. He's asking God to be gracious and to make glad, give him joy. And he he what he's saying is he doesn't want to just hear him, but he wants to, him to save him in a way that causes joy to return. And that is kind of a statement that implies David's faith in knowing that God is going to not just get him out of the situation, but he's going to completely restore the situation. I think it's important to point out there's a form of the word, I don't know how to say it, nepes, N-E-P-E-S. It's a Hebrew word. 
And it's we see it three times in this section, in verse 2, in verse 4, in the beginning of verse 4, and later in verse 4. And it's it's translated as soul, but it literally means self or life. And what it does is it's indicating the seriousness of the situation. David's life is at stake. And so while we don't know exactly what's going on, we do know that it is extreme circumstances where he feels his life is at stake. And this is where he's, he's praying this prayer, having faith that God is going to intervene on his behalf. Also in, in this section, David, as the one who is praying, it's described in the Hebrew, um, as Abdeka, A-B-D-E-K-A. And I please don't come after me for pronunciation. I learned to read Hebrew and Greek. I did not learn to speak it. But this word has this meaning in Hebrew of being both a servant and one who worships. And so that term is essentially saying like David trusts God. He declares him as God. He worships him as God. And it's it's a dedication mentality. So it's not just saying, oh, I'm a follower of God, but he's literally saying like, I serve you and I worship you. And it gives us an indication of where David gets this faith from. And so we see the reasoning why David is saying God should answer his prayer. Number one, he well, he should hear and answer the prayer. But number one, it's because he, he's a faithful servant and number two because he's in distress and so the the prayer is from this perspective of god i'm yours and you're mine that is the primary part of the prayer and then secondary is okay i'm in trouble and i i love that because it showcases the way that david lived his life now was david perfect absolutely not we know he's not we know that he he did a lot of shady stuff but what it comes back around to is he consistently went to god in repentance and he fell back on this covenant promise this covenant relationship and that is such a powerful example for us when we get in trouble it's not just about the situation but it's about our relationship our covenant relationship with god then we see a transition um, down in verse eight, the prayer turns to a form of praise and he declares the Lord is greater than all other gods. And then verse nine echoes that by declaring that God made all the nations and they all bowed down before the creator. And then in verse 10, again, he declares that God's deeds are great and that God alone is God. And um, the verses help us understand that he is speaking of this great and universal God in a way that it should be and in a way that there's confidence in a way that there's even just a contrast in some of the other passages that we've seen even David write where there's just this seeking and um this 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 anxiety where he's like okay God where are you that's not what we see here instead it's the opposite of that where there's this confidence of um, not just faith but praising God for who he is as this God over all of the earth and you have to remember too that this was written in a time where the surrounding nations in ancient Mesopotamia and all the nations around them were, were worshiping false gods and so by him claiming God as God alone it is not just um a personal declaration, but as the king of Israel, he's saying you are a God above all other gods. So he's, he's again, setting God as higher than any of the other gods that any of the other nations worship. 
And then later he says, teach me and I will praise you. And that's language that's common to wisdom literature in the scriptures, the wisdom literature. And David is asking God to teach him his way so that he can fear him. And this biblical idea of fearing God was not like fear, like I'm afraid of you, but I respect you. Maybe um, sometimes that word fear we don't necessarily understand that perspective, but it's, it's fear in the sense of, I, I have utmost respect and I know that you're that are powerful and above all other gods. And so there's this, um, understanding here that he's seeking wisdom and he's trying to stay on this right path, the path that the Lord has set out for before him, because David does not want to be distracted or double-minded in, in any allegiance to God, but instead he wants to he ask for a heart that is undivided in his devotion to God. And it, he knows that God's going to save him from death, just like he has time and time again. And then he responds, of course, with praise. And so this whole idea of teach me and I will praise you, it's this humbling that I think is such a powerful example for us. Us, um, when we don't understand. And sometimes, I, you know, I have prayed that, like, I trust God and I have faith that he's going to come through, even if I don't understand. And so I'll say, okay, God, I don't understand, but I trust you. Well, this takes it one step farther. Teach me, teach me and I'll praise you. And it's asking God for wisdom and discernment and an understanding of why this situation is happening. And then the praise comes in because we know that God is good and God does good. And he's always working on our behalf. And, you know, it's not that um, David is perfect. I mean, we see such human emotion in, in David. Late, later in 14 through 17, his praise, almost without warning, turns over back over to fear. And we see him waffling back and forth like, okay, I have confidence. I know that, God, you are with me. But then he also gives into this fear. And I think that is so common to our human experience, especially in a situation where, remember, he's fighting for his life. His life is on the line. And it describes this raw emotion when we're in this place of prayer and you know he's he's likely facing a violent crowd we know throughout the life of david there were so many times where he was on the run for his life um and yet we still see him lean into this confidence in God, likely because, remember we talked about the stepping stones, he has seen these stepping stones throughout his life where he can see where God has intervened on his behalf and gives him a confidence and a faith that is um, unbroken despite the circumstances that he's going through. And then in the end, he of course goes back and he returns to naming the attributes of God and um, we see those same attributes throughout the Old Testament, but but what he's doing is he's going back to this place where he knows that, that God is the only one that can rescue him from trouble. And so what I love is that it's not like that fear disappeared. You know, maybe in the words that we're seeing, we're not seeing fear anymore. We're now seeing this confidence in God, but it's not like that fear disappeared. And again, like I said, you can hold two things at once. You can hold fear and faith at the same time. And I know so many people say, oh, fear is not from God. It's not, but it is part of the human experience. It, it is a natural thing to be fearful when we are running for our lives or afraid for our lives. And it's not like that fear just automatically goes away. But what we have to do is get to a place where our faith rises above the fear. And we can, number one, go to God and say, 
tell me how to get out of this and I praise you because I know you're going to get me out of it and I'm going to praise you now and I'm going to praise you before I know and I'm going to praise you after the fact. And I, I just love that because there have been times in my life, like even when I've gone on different trips, mission trips, and gone to serve in different parts of the world that are, you know, hard. Um, you know, I remember being in Nairobi, Kenya, going to the red light district where we were um, doing some anti-trafficking programs. And of course, you have to go late at night and being in uh, the middle of the the red light district of Nairobi in the middle of the night is flipping scary. And I knew that God was going to do something. I knew that God had called me to that place. I knew that God had made provisions financially and with my kids and everything else for me to get there to that place. I still was scared out of my mind. Now, I did it anyway because I kept that faith higher than that fear, but that fear didn't go away. It didn't go away until I was back home in my bed two weeks later, but I didn't allow that fear to dictate how I was going to respond in that situation. Instead, the faith overtook it. And, and I think that's what we're seeing with David. We're seeing this mix of fear and faith. And I just love that because I think so many times we think as believers, we hear, oh, you know, fear is not from God. You're right. It's not. And, but there's nothing wrong with you if you're experiencing fear because it's part of this natural human emotion. That's why we need God. We wouldn't need God if we didn't fear. And so sometimes people, you know, they just allow fear to paralyze themselves because they think, well, I just might not be ready or I just don't have a big enough faith because I'm experiencing fear. That's not it at all. So sometimes, sometimes faith is about swallowing that fear and doing it anyway, even if you do it scared. And I love the example that we see in David because we see him waffling back and forth. And David was called a man after God's own heart. I want to be somebody that's after God's own heart, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to experience fear, especially when I'm in circumstances that are dangerous. Okay, we're going to go back to verse one and read through Psalm 86 again. Hear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am devoted to you. You are my God, save your servant who trusts in you. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, O Lord, listen to my cry for mercy. In the day of my trouble, I will call to you, for you will answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, O Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name, for you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. The arrogant are attacking me, O God. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, but without regard for you. But you, O Lord, are compassionate and a gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. God, we thank you that you are a God that is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. God, help us to recognize that as part of the human experience, we're not going to just not be afraid of things in our lives. But instead, when we hit those moments of fear, we can settle into this place of confidence in our faith and knowing that you are a God that is bigger than anything we could be afraid of. So Lord, I pray for my friend 
that may be afraid right now or may be facing some difficult circumstances, even if they're not life-threatening, but they're just causing anxiety. God, I pray that you would intervene, that you would remind them that you are bigger than anything that they are facing and you are a God that is slow to anger, compassionate, gracious, and abounding in love and faithfulness. God, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, despite sometimes our lack of faithfulness to you. Lord, I pray that you would overwhelm my friends with your love for them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey friend, real quick before we check out, I just want to remind you that I have spiritual direction and life coaching available if you are needing something a little bit more. If you're facing something heavy and you want somebody to walk through that with you, if you need accountability, if you have some sin that you need to confess, or if you just want to grow spiritually and you're trying to figure out how to do it, I want to be there to help walk you through that. You can schedule a one-on-one call with me. If you go to shehears.org on the work with me tab, you can get information about that. I pray that that is another resource that's a blessing to you. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you for God's call on your life, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you this week. Know that you are loved, you are cherished, and you are His.